What's up, RTC? This is the Career Progressions Podcast, brought to you by RevealTalent.com. I'm your career advocate, Mark Allred. You know, building the career you want is no longer about climbing the ladder of success. Technology and the speed of information have made advancing in your career like climbing a rock wall. Our podcast focuses on the stories of career pros and experts who have climbed before you. What they share will help you find the climbing holds they use to get where they are today. Their stories will help you be proactive, be intentional, and keep moving forward. So I'd like to begin today by sharing a Bible verse. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, how cool would it be if on your first day of work, the CEO of the company came by your desk and said something like that to you? I mean, I tell you what, I'd be feeling pretty darn good about my new job and fired up about discovering what's on, uh, what his or her plans were for what I'm doing. So if you're a Christian, do you believe that you were specially made for a special assignment that will play out in your work and in your life in general? If you're not a Christian, do you believe that you have a unique set of gifts and skills that make you better suited for one type of work than another? That's the conversation I want to have today. For that, I'm honored to have Dr. Michaela O'Donnell with me. She's the director of the Fuller Seminary's Depre uh, Center for Leadership. She's also the author of a new book, Make Work Matter, that was just published in October. She's here to share some insights from her book and hopefully help you begin your journey of making your work matter. Hey, Michaela, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Mark. It's really good to be with you. Well, so first, can you tell us what inspired you to write this book and what you're hoping your readers are going to take away from it? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I, I was tracking as you were sort of giving that image. I was tracking. I was imagining myself with a cup of coffee, hearing that from my own CEO or boss. And um, I, I was one of the many, many people, and still am in some ways, but in a very particular way, uh, 10, 15 years ago, where I was just wondering, like, what in the world am I supposed to do? And what in the world am I made to do? I've got it deep in my gut that I want to do a lot of things that, you know, change the world. And yet most of what I was doing felt really far from that. Mm. And in many ways, Mark, this book is a, a bit of advice and a letter to my younger self. Um, of course, it's much more complicated than that and complex and not just, you know, a letter to young Michaela, but that, that's, that really is the inspiration. And, you know, I wasn't the only one and and this is right at the heart of your work, but a lot of people are trying to figure this stuff out and day in and day out. And when, when people are, I've noticed that that can come with all sorts of feelings, all sorts of questions, all sorts of wonderings. And so that's really what this book is trying to do. It's trying to help people help be with people in that space. And so what do I hope people will take away from it? Well, I hope they'll take some encouragement, right? Yeah. That you know, you're not alone and that if the path feels a little 
less obvious than even the the Bible verse that you just read. If it feels less obvious, then you know you're not alone. And a lot of this stuff takes a lot of time to figure out. And uh, in the book, there's many, many tools and frameworks and stories that come as the result of the last decade or so of my work. Mark, if you would have told me a decade ago, 15 years ago, that, that my job would be to talk to people about their work, uh, I would have been like, yeah, no, probably not, like hard pass. But here I am, and I'm I'm loving it. So I uh, have um, put in the book many of the things I've learned through formal research, conversations, trying things, and so on and so forth. You know, and, and Michaela, it's funny, I'd say the same thing. You know, not mm. too long ago, you know, I was a career wireless leader and, uh, and it was focused on, you know, helping folks get better at what they do. And I just got this bug and love for helping develop folks and to help them find good work. So I'm right there with you. I would never have thought mm. this is where I am, but I guess this is where God led both, both of us. So, mm. you know, in your book, you talk about the gap between where people are currently and the meaningful work that they can imagine themselves doing. So how can a person recognize if they're stuck and, and what are the things they can do to help take the steps to close that gap? Yeah, what I affectionately call the gap, I think is the source of a lot of pain and heartache for a lot of people. Um, a quick story and then an answer to your question. So my husband, uh, my husband and I own a company together, Long Winter Media. Uh, it's branding, it's film. That's what I did full time before I became, uh, before I came to work at Fuller Seminary. And I, I, so I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And one of the things my husband was, this is, oh goodness, maybe 10, 15 years, right in that same kind of heartachey spot I was just describing. My husband was doing a film internship. We live in Los Angeles. He was doing an internship for a well-known producer in town. And the part of the arrangement was that basically my husband would work for free and this guy would give him mentorship, which yeah. turns out was actually a pretty good deal. Um, I, I might look back on that and be like, yeah, that would have really helped to have some money to pay our rent. But <laughs> uh, he got a lot of advice along the way. And one of the, one of the pieces of advice he got on the very first day that he went to this internship is this mentor said to my husband, it's going to take you a decade to get where you think you should be today. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and not like to be rich and famous and to be on the big screen and all these other things, but just a decade to be doing good, steady work where people are calling you and recognizing your talents. And that that felt like a punch in the gut in the moment. And it took us both of us kind of a bit to work through that. And But over time, that became a really helpful framework for us mm. that we can often imagine ourselves quite a bit in the future. And the fact that we're not there can be disorienting. It can be um, a bit of cognitive dissonance, actually. And so how can we recognize that we're in there? We got those feelings of restlessness, right? A yeah. lot of people I talk to are feeling anxious and overwhelmed, um, depressed. Some of them at the same time are also feeling kind of imaginative and hopeful, right? So sometimes there's this double thing that's going on where it's like, I'm really not feeling where I'm at, but I have a lot of imagination. Um, you know, it, so there's just a mix. And in terms of what steps can someone take to close the gap? Well, I, I won't go into all, all the steps. I mean, that's sort of, you know, the heart of the book, but what mm -hmm. I will say is the most important first step is being able to just name, name where you're at, name what's frustrating, disappointing, what's keeping you up at night. 
And as hard as it is to do, and I've got an exercise for this, is actually uh, pretty pretty helpful. Name what it is those pain points are revealing about what it is you're longing for. And that work right there, naming where you're stuck, naming what's not feeling, feeling right and where you actually want to go is that it is hard work. And it's not as simple as it sounds and, and ends up being the first domino on a set of steps that eventually help people to close that gap. You know, we start in the same place in the Reveal Talent community. We talk to folks about first step is awareness, really gaining mm-hmm. awareness. And in our world, it's an awareness of your career drivers. It's awareness of your priorities and also how you bring value. Because until you understand that stuff, it, it's hard to make a, a good decision about what kind of company you want to work for. So I love the way you're framing that. I'm a, I'm a little freaked out by the 10-year thing because that's scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that was a scary thought for you guys for sure too. Yeah. And, it's, I, and honestly, Mark, I mean, it's still true today, right? It doesn't mean yeah. that I have to wait a decade for every bit of what I imagine myself doing tomorrow to come true, but that it might take a decade for it all to kind of come out yeah. as I imagine. And I then I'll probably have another picture of what the next many years or the next hope or dreams uh, look like. So it's, I think you just kind of, we're kind of on that constant um, ebb and flow. So, I mean, as, as folks kind of digest this, this idea of this decade of, of where we're at, cause I think it's fascinating thinking there. You refer in the book about, um, uh, being a roadmap for people to use uh, for discovering deeper truths about what God has in store for them. Can you unpack some of the ways uh, they maybe will be able to make some of those discoveries along that way? Yeah, for sure. So I, in the book, I, I have something that I call the entrepreneurial way. And mm-hmm. now some people have just said, oh, I'm not an entrepreneur. Like that's not for me. Hard pass. I'm out. And and <laughs> I have been very intentional about the the terminology there, the entrepreneurial way, uh, meaning that you know, this is a, this is a roadmap and a way of being not just for those of us who will start formal businesses, but for anyone really seeking to do meaningful work in a changing world. And Mark, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. This is what we do back in the Midwest in Nebraska, we start businesses and we teach people things. So it's very, I'm very biased. I'm very biased and have a, a great affection for entrepreneurs. And as I started to think about, okay, the the most predictable thing about the future in terms of work is that things are going to keep changing. There's just going to be so much change. There's already the the accelerated technology and a globalized workforce, not to mention, you know, a pandemic and how that's implicated or where we work and how we work and what we work on. And just that change is at the heart of things. And so if if we need a roadmap for being able to be people who are working amidst change. I thought to myself, no better way than the entrepreneurial way. And so in, in some research I did, I went and I actually interviewed different entrepreneurs who were making it and, you know, kind of thriving where otherwise most other people kind of were, were feeling more chaotic. And <clears throat> so from that came kind of a, a multi-part method. I'll, I'll, I'll briefly uh, run over a couple of parts of it. At the, at the heart of what it means to be an entrepreneurial is to be creative resilient and relational actually. And so in the book, I talk about those three, I call them muscles, right? You got these muscles of creativity, these muscles of resilience and these muscles of being relational. 
And so I am a, a in, in my academic work, I'm a practical theologian. So I'm a Christian theologian. And so when I heard create, you know, creativity, resiliency, and relationships, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's so congruent with the Christian stories. For creativity sure. is our first story about God. Resilience is our the climactic story in Christ. And relationships, like, well, hello, that's that's the church. And so I, I felt very uh, grateful to see that synergy. And so these muscles, how, how might one cultivate these muscles? I've, there's, there's this whole, I'll call it a method. Method would be a, a strong way to say it, but maybe a framework. There's a framework or a method in the book that starts with empathy, moves to imagination, goes to risk-taking, and ultimately ends in reflection. And I, I suggest this as a way to sort of get going um, and actually that most of the meaningful work that we crave to do can can be linked back to the practice of empathy, right? Yeah. And that's something that came up with those entrepreneurs. And it's a muscle that, or it's a practice that helps cultivate that muscle of creativity. And, and so there's just a, that's, I'm giving you like a, you know, bullet point version, high level of the roadmap, but each of those within them have different uh, frameworks and then different actual exercises in the book that people can try out to help cultivate some of those muscles. Well, and I love how you, you uh, tie it to the entrepreneurial spirit because, you know, the folks who have that and kudos to you for, you know, that being a part of the family. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 taking risks and knowing the right risks to take to get out there, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, you know, and you also using that analogy of the muscles, it's like people who have the discipline to go and work out. Uh, you know, yeah. they have to put the time in to do that. But all of that being said, there's a lot of things that get in the way, you know, mm -hmm. of folks trying to go out and work out. Uh, you know, so, so how does the hustle of today's mindset kind of work against people who are trying to do all these things and to get on that roadmap? I mean, what are some better ways to embrace the fast pace of the world today? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question. One of the things that I wouldn't say make my, makes my work different, right? Nothing, nothing new is under the sun. But one of the things that's important in my work is that risk-taking and, and things like that aren't the huge kind of big, scary types of risk, but are actually much more doable. I actually call them the next doable risk. And sometimes I actually, I lead a lot of groups at the Dupree Center through this kind of material. And inevitably when we get to the section on risk, people will say, I'm not a risk taker. It's just not how I'm built. And these are the same people that when we went through empathy, they were just all in, right? Mm -hmm. All in on empathy. And I say to them, it, if you've ever truly empathized with somebody, then you've already taken a risk. You've already let their situation and their feelings and their way of being impact your situation and your feelings oh. and your way of being. And all of a sudden, usually light bulbs go on. It's like, whoa, like I am a person who can move towards other people and that is risky. And so when we talk about this roadmap, when we talk about empathy and imagination, risk-taking and reflection, it's less in a, here's a new checklist of things you've got to do kind of way and way more in a, wherever you're at right now. I mean, literally you're going to go into a meeting today. You're going to, you know, be walking alongside. You're going to be talking to someone at a coffee shop. You're going to maybe be talking to a roommate or a partner or kids how how might you adopt some of these postures in your already existing life 
And how might building those muscles then come back to bear fruit on the work that you do, right? And not in, and we don't build into these muscles just so that we could be better people at work, but they end up, all of our areas, we're whole people, we, we overlap, right? And so in, in encouraging that kind of a day-by-day, on-the-way mindset, that's pretty subversive to the larger hustle mindset that's operative. Hustle mindset, grind culture would say like, you've just got to do more, more, more. Well, I mean, that's a nice idea. The problem is doing more always costs something. That's correct. And usually what it ends up costing is mental health, relationships, things that we cannot afford to give. And so the the mindset of going day by day on the way, leaning into these skills wherever we already find ourselves might feel a little bit slower at first because our wheels aren't spinning as fast. And we might see, oh, somebody over there has got more progression and they're going and they're moving fast. But this feels a little bit like a tortoise in the hare game to me, Mark, right? Yeah. So it's like, you've got the the hustle, the hustle, the hustle. And then you've got the the tortoise who's just able to go step by step and ends up getting to, let's call it the proverbial finish line or the, mm-hmm. the point where we're all wanting to be in different phases before the hair anyway. So that that's kind of the, how I take the, the pace and put it in contrast to today's hustle culture, which I think is actually pretty destructive. Well, and it's, I think the risks in the hustle culture kind of hide under the surface. You don't see them mm. until it's too late because you're moving so fast, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, a yeah. great example, and, you know, talking about uh, taking risk and those things in, in this time of the great resignation where so many people are mm-hmm. saying, I'm out of here. In some cases, it's, it's a great idea. They've been, they've been driving themselves nuts at work for way too long. But yeah. for the hustle folks, if they've just been moving so fast and making those quick decisions, that could be the worst decision of their life if they don't have a plan. So they got to right. really be able to figure, you know, stop for a minute, take that tortoise mentality and and be more intentional about what they're doing. So one of the things you, I think you do really well in the book, and I'm a huge fan of analogies because they're a great way to really just give color to what you're trying to say. And you use some great analogies in the book. For instance, you talk about the kayak and the whitewater rapids, mm. um, which what are tell if you could talk about what are some of the three things that you suggest readers do to survive and thrive while navigating their career decision and how you use that analogy for that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I'm with you. The great resignation is just a, it's a very particular and peculiar moment we're in and then not at the same time. Right. And so this, I think you just gave some great advice that I just want to underline. And that's if you, if you're not taking the time to reflect, then the decisions that you're making and are, are, I worry about those. Now, the caveat being burnout and toxicity and some of those things where you just got to get out fast, right? So I'm glad you made that point, Mark. Yeah, the kayak and the whitewater rapids. So this is this analogy comes in contrast. It's actually built on the back of Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn's an analogy he gives about what the workforce used to feel like. And he says that the workforce of old was a bit like an escalator, right? You're sort of, you get on at a certain stage in your career and you kind of ride up predictably. Some people might get off and, you know, help family members or have kids and do those things. And then with them, when they get back on there, everyone's sort of riding up predictably until you get off at the top. 
And what Reid Hoffman would say is that today the escalator is jammed at every level, right? People can't get on and it's hard to for people to ascend and people who are, have been in the workforce for 30 years, they can't really get off because they don't have enough money and there's just all these things. And so in search of an analogy, so if today's economy and today's career paths feel less like we're riding up you know, kind of predictable escalators. I thought, what, what do they really feel more like? And I went to school in Tennessee and nearby there was a, uh, was the river that was actually used for the 96 Olympics. It's called the Ocoee river. And when I pictured today's career paths, I, I just kept picturing the Ocoee river, which was full of whitewater rapids. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So it's less like we're riding up a predictable escalator and more like we're in kayaks going down the rapids. We don't quite know when there's going to be another uh, bump and we're not totally sure what's around the, the bend ahead, but here we are trying to navigate our way forward. So in, in this kind of mentality, Rather than just paddle, 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 right? And just go, 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 which would be akin to the hustle mindset and may or may not steer us in the right direction anyway. Uh, I, I, in the book, I lay out three things that I encourage people to do. One is get good enough at reading the rapids. Hmm. I don't assume anyone of us is ever going to become an expert at reading the changing dynamic nature of the economy and the work world. Maybe Mark is going to be an expert and maybe <laughs> I will learn from him, but most people getting jobs are not going to become experts, right. but but you still have to be good enough. You have to get good enough at reading the rapids. And this good enough concept actually comes from Max Dupree, the center that where I work is named after. He talks about threshold competencies, the things that you're never going to be an expert at, but that you've got to be good enough at so that you can progress forward. And you've got to get good enough at reading the rapids. And what are the rapids? The rapids are the changes and the things that are the bumps that are coming ahead. That's number one. The second is lean in and let go. So if you're like me, when you see a big rapid, your tendency is to clench up, to grab your paddle, to grit your teeth, and for all of your muscles to tighten as you go over the rapid. The uh, issue is that that's not a very good way to to take impact. That's not a very good way to go over a point of tension. And to mix metaphors here, uh, my my husband and I got we got in a really bad car. I remember accident. reading um, about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In your book. Many years ago, and he was driving, and I was in the passenger seat. And I have talked to many people since who have gotten in bad bad car accidents, and uh, they say that this has happened for them too. That in the moment before we were hit, time just slowed down. We had like a full conversation in that millisecond. And my husband being somebody who had learned to ski in the mountains of Utah and therefore had quite literally learned to fall before he learned to go fast. He said, lean in and let go. So lean in and let go is the second thing. Hmm. Me being a girl from Nebraska who had never learned to fall, I did lean in, but I leaned in and I tensed up. And many years later, I have residual pain from that accident. And Dan, my husband, has none. And I'm convinced that it has a lot to do with our posture in the midst of those moments. And so taking that back over to the rapid analogy, when when we're when the when the things are coming because they're coming yeah. when we are able to take those in ways not where we're passive but we're able to I'm I'm now actually just sitting up in my chair and exhaling a little bit when we're able to 
be through them and let go through them. It just, it just gives us a totally different posture, but totally different mindset. And so the second one is leaning and let go. And the third thing, so get good enough at reading the rapids is number one, leaning and let go is number two. And the third and final thing is let water off your boat. Mm. So um, inevitably you're in this kayak, this proverbial kayak going down rushing water, you will inevitably take some water in your boat. It's just going to happen. And if you've ever been in a boat, you know that taking water in is not a good thing. Now, now many boats actually have, you know, little like different ways where you can get water out. But if you are a boat, how do you get water out? Right. And how do you let water off your boat? I, uh, a couple, many years ago, my actually not many years ago, uh, three years ago, my, when my son was born, we have a daughter and a son we had a friend who was just, she was just in a bad place in life and she needed to come stay with us right when my son was a newborn. And if you've ever met a newborn baby, having having someone who's in great need come stay with you right when a baby is a newborn is not exactly great timing. And so I would, I was doing all the mothering things most of the day. And when I was taking, you know, when he was sleeping, I was sitting with my friend who was having this really big stuff going on. And finally I called my mom and I'm like, mom, this is just too much. I am feeling overwhelmed. And she said, Said, you're like a little a little boat right now and you're taking on water mm. and you've got to figure out how to get water off the boat and i'm like I, what does that mean and she's like well i know you to be a person who loves to walk who loves to dance who loves to cook you need every time that you start to feel this feeling you've got to go do one of those things as an intentional way of letting water off the boat so in this, in this season, in this age, when work is more like whitewater rapids than it is an escalator, getting good, we got to get good enough at reading the rapids. We got to learn and um, breathe deeply in order that we might lean in and let go in the face of impact. And we need to develop regular practices that help us let water off the boat. I tell you what, and I love that section of the book, and I think that's worth uh, every bit of the read for folks who are listening. But, you know, let's take those concepts because I love how, you, how you've broken those down and, and apply it to the world that a lot of our listeners are dealing with. A lot of these folks are dealing with a job loss. I just like mm-hmm. them. I went through a reduction of, for, of a workforce, and, uh, yeah. and I remember in a couple of things, the way you described it, I did respond that way, and I think it blessed so much of my journey. So, for example, uh, lean in, let go. You know, whenever leaning into that situation was hard, but but learning how to to see it for what it is, and to not tense up at it, and and just kind of flow with, okay, well, where am I going next, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you know, as far as the water on my boat when I was going through that, some of it was just dealing with the emotions of of my position, you know, being pulled from me, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if I held on to some of those those feelings and that emotion, and I just kind of kept that water on the boat, it was going to make the transition to what was next so much harder. So, um, absolute mic drop moment for you. Mm-hmm. I love the sound of that analogy to help folks kind of dig through that. So great stuff with it. Well, we're, we're kind of getting towards the end here, and and Michaela, yeah. if you've kind of listened to the podcast at all, one of the things that I always like to ask our guests to do is. Would you be willing to get a little vulnerable and share a bit about your story? And and you've done that in your book. People will see a lot of personal stories in there, and I think it it gives richness to to what you're 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 saying. But can you share maybe something, a story about how you've personally struggled, uh, maybe with some of the things in the book, maybe with something different, and and how how did you deal with that and and kind of work your way through it? 
Yeah. Thanks for asking. And thanks for your story there. Um, you know, I, I think I'll piggyback on that. And this is a story that is in the book um, somewhat, but I'll, I'll share a bit of a different side of it. So um, I, my husband and I, like I said, we own this company, which meant that our income was tied to one another. Right. So mm. we're like, if, if we, if we're, we're either both working or neither of us is working right. for That's many, many easy. years. And yeah, it was, it, I mean, it, I mean, I really like, it was, it was overall, it was good, but there were some really tough times in there. And one of these tough times was when we had landed a contract that we estimated it would be between 60 and 70% of our work for the year. Which was just fantastic, sixty to seventy percent, and uh, probably a third of the way into that project, we've been paid. I don't know. We've been maybe we've been paid fifteen, twenty percent, but we were a little bit further into the project in terms of workload. That client told us, like, basically that our that our work wasn't up to snuff, and that that client was going to let us go off Oof. the project, and. <sighs> That is the that is the only time that something like that had happened. And even now, Mark, like I look back on it and I'm like, that wasn't really right. I feel like we were kind of a scapegoat for a couple of other things. Mm. And yet, like there it was and it was happening to us and there was no changing it. It was, it was happening and we couldn't, there's just no making it different. And so a lot of, a lot of the, uh, there's a concept in the book and it's in the resilience chapter which is basically grieving when the ground shakes beneath us. Mm. And I do think that there are these moments when a job we hold, it, we're, you know, we lose a job we hold or we get fired off a project and we thought we were doing good work um, when, you know, so, and, and these things happen in our personal lives all the time, right? And they impact our work. And so that in that moment, it took us, it took us years actually to grieve that because of, of the financial fallout sure. that had happened and all the rearrangements we needed to make. But I will tell you that like tensing up <laughs> didn't help the situation. It just didn't. It, it, it was like, I had to get to that lean in and let go. I had to get to that, let water off the boat. I, I had to let myself grieve. And I also at the same time, couldn't rush the grieving process, but the more I ignored how I felt about it, the more I became just like an angry uptight version mm. of myself and letting myself process those feelings ended up not necessarily leading straight to me, us getting another project, but to me being the kind of person who can walk through the world daily, extending kindness, being empathetic, so on and so forth. So yeah, I've been right there too. And it, if I can say this, it, it just sucks and yeah. there's no way through, but, but going through. So that, that's my story. And I think that story, I think it offers a lot of hope and, and, and maybe, uh, some focus for folks who are going through some tough things right now. I mean, we're in this weird, weird zone of, uh, living in this world of the great resignation and people evaluating what they're doing. And I think your book is completely timeless for that because now we're giving folks a chance to, to figure out how to make whatever work they're going to do next, how to make it matter. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, you know, We're definitely going to share a link to where people can find the book in the show notes, but do you have anything else that you want to share about the book or about things that you're doing right now that you want folks to know about? 
I, I, I think just you can find me um, at the Dupree Center. That's where tons of the work and the groups and the book and all the different manifestations of my work are. You can Google the Dupree Center or it's D-E-P-R-E-E.org. I'm also on social media. You can certainly find me and connect there. Sounds great. Thanks again so much for being here. All the best success with the book. I know it's going to do a lot of good for a lot of people. Thanks, Mark. It's really good to be with you. Dr. O'Donnell does an exceptional job weaving her experience, her faith, and her creativity into a book that I know will offer a lot of hope to anyone who is looking to bring more meaning to their work. My biggest takeaways from our conversation was to learn enough about the rapids in our lives, lean in and let go, and getting the water out of our boat. As you navigate the river of your career, I hope your boat always stays upright. If you need an experienced guide to help you tackle the waves, I hope you'll reach out to us at revealedtalent.com and learn how we can help you be more proactive and intentional about every rapid in your career.